0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Well, amen. What a great song and what a great job singing it. Would you tell them one more time, thank you for singing and leading us in that song? Hey, would you also join me in thanking the Lord for your worship leader and your choir? Didn't they do a great job? You thankful for them? If, if Brother David is the backup piano player, I, I'm sure that the regular one is just un, unbelievable. Great job, Brother David. Thank you for your leadership. And David mentioned your pastor Maybe joining the service and his family. Would you tell them that you love them and appreciate them and are grateful for Brother Daniel and his leadership here? Yeah. Good to see you all. Good to be with you. My name is Todd Gray. I work with KBC, as Brother David has said. I want to thank you all for just being a great church. This faithful congregation has... Serve the Lord have been used of God to advance His kingdom, to share the gospel from this place and in this community for many years. And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful also to get to cooperate with you in your, your work. You're one of 2,300 plus Kentucky Baptist churches that are partnering together to reach Kentucky and a world for Christ. Through your cooperative program giving, you take care of more than 3,600 international missionaries who are sharing Jesus in some of the toughest places. On the planet, you also take care of six seminaries who are uh, training ministers and missionaries who will give their life and devotion to Christ. But here in Kentucky, you're funding a lot of work as well. One of those is Sunrise Children's Services, and you've been praying for them and reaching out on their behalf. And I just want to say thank you for supporting Sunrise and the good work that they do. Sunrise cares for some of the most needy and neglected and abused children in the state. I received a, an email from one who had been ministered to by Sunrise. His testimony was that before he arrived at the home in Glendale, which was years ago, he said his mother had broken his arm three times. She had also, I think, broke his jaw. Uh, She had broken his tailbone. And when he arrived at Glendale, he received love from people, he was clothed, he was fed, he was cared for, he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's now married, his wife is a CNA, I think they have three or four children of their own, but you you helped that young man through your work with Sunrise, and so thank you for caring for them and caring for children and cooperating together as a Kentucky Baptist Church. We just praise the Lord one more time, and I'll try to preach to you. All right. Go ahead and find your Bible if you would, Mark chapter 16. I want to speak to you on the subject of the gospel to every home. Mark chapter 16 in your Bible, the gospel to every home. How many of you all are saved and you know you're saved and you're glad that you're a child of God? Raise your hand good and high if you're saved and you know it. Wonderful. How many of you also would say, I'm saved, but I know somebody who is close to me but far from God. If you know someone like that, would you also raise your hand? Most of the hands are up this morning, and I'm grateful that you know some people who are not yet followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Miss Janine sang the song here and those, those precious children, a reminder that people really do need the Lord. God uses His people to help those who are not yet saved become saved. Kentucky Baptist Convention is partnering with 2,300-plus churches, 69 Baptist associations, in an initiative that's called the Gospel to Every Home. Your church has been engaged in that work as well and will be engaged further. The goal is to deliver the story, the good news, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to 1,728,681 homes in Kentucky. I think your church uh, took responsibility for 1,800-plus of those homes, which is a wonderful and a strong commitment. But why are we taking the Gospel to Every Home and why do we think that's important? Here are two reasons. One is because every human being is eternal. Every person will will live somewhere forever and ever and ever, either with God or separated from God. The second reason is we want to make it really hard to go to hell from Kentucky. Amen? Amen. We love people. We want to see folks get saved and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 16, the author is giving an overview of what we would know as the Great Commission. In this text, Jesus is speaking— He's speaking to his disciples, followers of Christ, and he's letting them know his mission for them after his ascension back into heaven. This text is for us. So there are some challenges in this text, the verses following, even some before. Your pastor may deal with those, but that's not my goal this morning. My goal is to look at this text from the perspective of the gospel to every home. If you're able to stand, would you please stand just for a moment in honor of the reading of God's word, and I'll read these two verses, and we'll look at them together. Mark 16, verse 15, Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Let me say that last part one more time. Whoever does not believe and believe does not just mean that you believe that god exists that you believe there is a god even that he's creator god even that he's loving it's not even to just believe that historically there was a time that jesus was crucified on a cross and was resurrected it's not even just believing those historical facts though that's an important part of it but to believe means to commit your life to christ it means to trust jesus it means to put all of your eggs in his basket it means that you're saying, if I have any hope in heaven at all, and I do have hope because the Bible says so, it'll be because Jesus Christ died for me on the cross. He was buried, and He rose again, and I'm trusting Him as my Savior and Lord. And He said He'd save me, and I'm trusting Jesus to save me. The gospel to every home, three simple requirements. Let's say a prayer for us, and we'll look at this text together. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for the gospel, the hope that we have because of Jesus. Thank you for the Bible, dear Lord, that tells us about, about God, about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and tells us what the gospel is. Lord, thank you for those who proclaim the gospel, and thank you for this church, that you call this church into existence, and you've used it down through the years. You're using it today, and their pastor, Brother Daniel, and this congregation to make Christ known in this building, but outside these walls as well. Please use this message for your purposes, for your glory, for your good, the good of your people, and the good of those who are not yet your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The gospel to every home, three requirements. Very simply, I hope very clearly, and I also hope very quickly, the first one is this. The gospel to every home requires conviction. It requires conviction. Verse 15 says, Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole Creation It requires conviction. Conviction is a strongly held uh, position or belief or an opinion. It's something that we really hang on to. And we have lots of convictions. Folks will tell you what their convictions are. In fact, here in Kentucky, we have some convictions about basketball, don't we? Right here, especially in Lexington. We have conviction about where you can get the best barbecue at, at some place in the state. We have political convictions, and we have convictions on opinions, and we don't want to see eye to eye on all convictions. In fact, I have convictions about food. How many of you all love to eat? Raise your hand good and high if you like to eat. Listen, this is my people group right here. I mean, we're together and belong in the same place. Uh, I, like to, I like to eat. In fact, when my family and I take a vacation. We're not too concerned with the National Historic Landmarks. We just want to find a good cheeseburger, you know, a good place to, to get something to eat. Sometimes Connie and I, my wife, will be having breakfast, and, and I'll, say, I'll say, Connie, what are we going to have for supper? It just makes her so mad. And, and it, it's not that I expect her to fix it, or maybe I'm going to fix it, or we'll eat out. And she'll say, we're just now eating breakfast, and you're concerned about supper. And I, I just want to make sure somebody's thinking about it. Don't you? I mean, we're eating now, and we hope to eat again later at some point in the, in the day. Uh, I was preaching revival services at a church over in West Kentucky a while back, and they had a room for me to stay in, kind of a cabin that I was to stay in while I was there with them for the week. And ahead of the time, one of the deacons reached out, and he said, uh, Brother Gray, we look forward to you coming. He said, we'd like to have some snacks for you while you're here. Uh, what kind of snacks would you like us to have in the room? And at that time, I was trying to watch what I was eating, and, and I emailed back and said, Thank you, but I don't need any snacks at all. You know, I, I love food, and I'll eat anything that's in front of me, and I appreciate the offer, but no snacks for me. Thank you. He emailed back a second time, and he said, We'd like to get you some snacks. What kind of snacks would you like? And I said, Really, thank you for offering, but I just don't need it, uh, any snacks. He reached out a third time by email, more insistent, and he pretty much said, We're going to get you some snacks. What do you like to eat? And and I said, well, I, I drink water and coffee. That's all I drink. And, and I said, if you have some peanuts in the room, I'd probably eat some peanuts. And, and uh, well, I got there, they had the water, they had the coffee. They did have the peanuts, but they had this other stuff I'd never seen before. It was peanuts and candy corn mixed together. I've never actually smoked crack cocaine, but I'm pretty sure crack couldn't be any more addictive than peanuts and candy corn mixed together. I mean, if you get the combination figure out, right number of candy corns, right number of peanuts, tastes just like a payday candy bar at every bite. I figured it out and then had a hard time putting it down. You know, finally had to hide the jar for myself to keep from eating it. I say all that to say I have convictions about food. And convictions make us do something. Listen, if we're to get the gospel to every home in Kentucky, it'll require conviction. Where does this conviction come from? Number one, conviction comes from worship. Conviction comes when we meet the Lord Jesus Christ and we see our God high and lofty and raised up. And we recognize God is greater than anything else in the world. And God is the one to be looked to and to be trusted. In fact, worship preceded the giving of the Great Commission. If you look back at Matthew 28, just for a moment, and Jesus was speaking to his disciples, it says in verse 16 of Matthew 28, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Now verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped. And then Jesus gave the Great Commission. Conviction comes out of worship, that we seek God for who He is. And when we recognize that God is God, and we find our place under the authority of the Lord, then that worship prop- uh, promotes a conviction, a certain belief, a strongly held position or opinion. Uh, conviction also comes from Lordship, when we recognize that Jesus is Lord. I heard this last week from a Barna poll that polled millennial-aged Americans that were church attenders identified as christians about half of them said that they believed it was wrong for christians to witness to other people now listen if anybody believes that evangelism is wrong then i know something about that person they're getting their convictions not from the bible but from the world because the world will clearly tell you that evangelism is wrong the world will say that let each person believe as they want to believe Let each person believe whatever they want to believe about God, about Christ, about the gospel, about heaven and about hell. And the world will say, don't bother anybody else with your views. Let them have theirs and you have yours. And don't try to influence anybody else about your religious and your Christian convictions. Hey, listen, the Bible says that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And there's only one way to get to heaven and uh, resisting Christ, refusing Christ, promises eternity separated from God. Love for people would compel us that we must share the gospel with other people. Conviction comes from worship. It also comes from lordship. But conviction comes from discipleship. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And those disciples were identified by following Christ and reaching out to others with the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I love people with conviction. I've benefited personally from people with conviction. Our Lord Jesus Christ had conviction and went to the cross with his convictions to die in our place for us on the cross, was buried, and rose again. Those early apostles, disciples, had conviction about following Jesus. In fact, they laid down their life in order to follow Christ based on his mission and his will for their life. Those early churches had conviction. This church is a church of conviction. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. This church wouldn't be in existence if some followers of Jesus wouldn't have had conviction about there needs to be a church right here on this spot, reaching people with the gospel. I've benefited from folks with conviction. 1989, a young Christian couple named Ron and Christy Job, who lived across the street from me in Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up in Lyon County, Kentucky, but worked in Indianapolis for a number of years before I became a Christian. Ron and Christy had known me because of some business interactions that we had together and they believed, rightly, that I was not a follower of Jesus. And they got under conviction about my spiritual condition. They probably prayed about it, they were burdened for me, they were concerned for me, they may have even privately asked others to pray for me and for them to reach out to me. One day they got the courage to walk across North Michigan Road knock on the door of my apartment, and invite me to church. Now, they were nervous. I was, quite honestly, inebriated when they came because I was living much of my life that way, working and then doing, then partying whenever I wasn't working. But something about their invitation got a hold of me. They invited me to go to a church, not their church. They knew I had grown up Baptist, and so they invited me to a Baptist church. And I went to the church that they invited me to. The folks in that church loved me. They were kind. They were gracious. I heard the gospel in that church from a faithful preacher of God's word. I I surrendered to Christ, was baptized in that church, answered the call to ministry, met the young lady who would one day become my wife, and was sent out of that church uh, to preach the gospel and to minister for 30 years since that, that time that I gave my life to Christ and began following Jesus. I'm grateful for the conviction of Ron and Christy Job. Listen, you're probably here this morning because somebody had some conviction. Either a mother, how many of you all had a mother or father or both that believed that you should be in church somewhere on Sunday morning? Raise your hand good and high if You you. Listen, you weren't deciding on Saturday night or Sunday morning when to go to church. They'd already decided before you ever showed up in the world in most cases. They'd made a decision that church was going to be part of your life and they'd made, made, made certain that you were going to be in God's, uh, with God's people to hear about Christ and his gospel. Gospel to every home, number one, requires conviction. Here's the second thing. Gospel to every home not only requires conviction, it also requires cooperation, that we work together toward this mission that Christ has given. Look at verse 15. Then he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. Gospel to every home requires not only conviction, but also cooperation. Man, I'm glad to be a Christian. I was 24 years old when I got saved. Best day of my life was when Jesus Christ came into my life and forgave me of my sin. I knew I was right with God. I could call God my Father. I had peace with God. I had a promise that if I died right there at that moment that heaven was going to be my home, I had the family of God, I met Christian people I'd never known before, I love meeting followers of Jesus and just knowing believers, some of the greatest people I know in the world, in fact most of the greatest people I know in the world are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They have compassion, they have mercy, they have kindness, they live sacrificially, they love the Lord, they love the local church, they want to use their life to serve Jesus. I'm glad to be a Christian, glad to be saved, I'm also glad to be a Christian was part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm not ashamed to be Southern Baptist. We don't always get it right. In fact, lots of times we uh, get some things wrong and we're very loud oftentimes on how we figure things out and how we're going to work together. But I believe that we're better together than we are apart. We can do more together in cooperation than we can do any single group or church by, its, by itself. And I've experienced cooperation in a local church. One of the churches that I pastored, I won't share the name, it's not that important. They had, a, they had an old deacon his name was Bruce, and Mr. Bruce, who I love, he was just a crusty old man, that's all he was, white hair, white goatee, and looked grumpy half the time, but he wasn't, he just loved the Lord, and, and he just, his, his face didn't always show it, just like mine doesn't always, doesn't always show it, and uh, before I got there as pastor, there was a lady in that church who she had some wealth, and, and she wanted to buy a church van and donate it to that church, and so she went out, bought a 15-passenger Ford van, and paid cash for it, she had the name of the church written on the side of it, and she donated that church, that van to the church. Everyone knew that she had donated it. Well, after a while, she got kind of put out with her church, and so she showed up at business meeting one night, and she wanted her van back, and she made it be known that I'm not happy here anymore, and I want my van back. Well, Brother Bruce stood up, and he said, I make a motion we don't give it to her. Somebody else seconded it, and those folks all voted in favor, and she went home without her van, <laughs> That was cooperation at work for a good purpose. Listen, we value cooperation. The gospel to every home not only requires conviction, but it also requires cooperation. Look at why cooperation is required. Number one, it is required. There were 11 disciples here that heard the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you just put yourself in their position. 11 disciples. And now notice what Jesus says. Go into where? All the world and preach the gospel to what the whole creation and if i'm there for the david i'm just looking around and i'm saying man there are eleven of us <laughs> and you're saying go to all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation us the eleven of us but you know what they did they just started doing it they just started obeying the lord jesus christ and you know what happened the 11 became 120 they were already 120 they met together in the upper room 120 was somewhere like 500 and those 500 began to share the gospel in fact the bible describes that in one place in acts that when persecution came that all the believers were scattered but those that were scattered went about sharing the gospel it'd be just like if this church that all these folks were scattered out somewhere but in our scattering, that we started telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's happened now for 2,000 years. And believers have been telling this story. And now Christianity, there are millions of followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Millions in heaven already uh, who've given their life to Christ and were saved and have been taken home to glory. It requires all of us working together. There's no way these 11 could carry out that task. And there's no way that one church can do it by itself either. It requires cooperation Cooperation is rewarding. In fact, Psalm 133, appreciate Brother herds prayer this morning for the Southern Baptist Convention. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Cooperation is rewarding. When we work together for a common cause, something that's bigger than any of us, and something that matters and has eternal significance, that's rewarding. And then also cooperation is realistic you know why that people who don't see eye to eye on everything can cooperate together here's why because we have a savior who is king we have the mission he's given us we're indwelt by the spirit of god that allows us to love other people and forgive those who've offended us and we can move forward together carrying out the will of god gospel to every home requires cooperation why does it matter why does it matter that kentucky baptists are working together that Broadway Baptist Church is partnering with other churches to get the gospel in every home in Kentucky, but also right here in Lexington. I'm going to give you three numbers, and I'll tell you what the three numbers represent. The first number is 295,803. The second number is 13.9%. And the third number is 254,804. Here's what those numbers represent. 295,803 is the 2010 census population of Fayette County, Kentucky. There's been another census since then. Numbers are a little bit different, but they're not much different. 295,803 people in this county. 13.9% represents the percentage of that population. According to Glenmary Research, who does their research based on church attendance records, 13.9% represents the percentage of that population that attends some church somewhere on Sunday morning. This was pre-COVID, 13.9%. 254,804 represents the number of people in Fayette County, Kentucky. This isn't China, it's not Los Angeles, it's not San Francisco, it's not New York City. It's Fayette County, Kentucky. quarter million people, at least in this county, are not in any church anywhere on Sunday morning. I don't know what that means to you, but I can tell you what it means to me. It means to me that probably about a quarter million folks in this county are lost and separated from God. And they need some folks just like this church who will love them enough to try and win them and reach them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Gospel to every home requires conviction. It also requires cooperation. There's one more thing it requires, and I'll close. It requires compassion. Look at verse 15 once again, then verse 16 that follows. Then he said to them, Jesus to the disciples, Go into all the world, this mission was to go, all the world is the scope of it, preach the gospel is the message, it's to be delivered to the whole creation, every person. Verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now we're saved by faith, the Bible says, by grace through faith in Christ. Baptism is the identity of the believer or the identification of the believer with Christ. Baptism doesn't save us from our sin, it does indicate that we've been saved, we've been set free but whoever does not believe will be condemned will be condemned those who refuse to repent and turn to christ the bible says they will be condemned there's not a plan b there's not another savior there are not multiple ways to be made right with god there's one way in fact jesus said as much he said in john 14 verse 6 i'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but by me. If we believe Jesus, then we take him at his word, that he is the way to God, the way to salvation. Gospel to every home requires compassion. In March of 2013, two little boys in far west Kentucky went missing from their grandmother's home. Their names were Ben and Cameron Davis. They were playing in their grandmother's backyard in Callaway County, Kentucky. Callaway County is the home of Murray, Kentucky. Murray State University is in Callaway County. The part of the county they were in was the part that borders down near Kentucky Lake and a lot of undergrowth and woods in the area, some backwater that comes up from the lakes, and these two little boys were just playing. They wandered off into the woods. They took their play into the woods, and pretty soon they were lost and couldn't find their way back home. The grandmother, after discovering that the boys were missing... She reached out to authorities. The authorities put together a a search party that went looking for Ben and Cameron, five years old and seven-year-old boys, don't need to be left alone in the woods overnight. They searched into the evening hours and could not find them. The search was called off for the evening. It was picked back up the next morning. One of the officers was driving around in his truck when he saw two little boys making their way out of the woods. When he found them, they were cold, they were tired and And they were wet, they had uh, huddled up beside each other and slept the night before, tried to cover up themselves with leaves, five years old, seven years old, to try and keep warm. When the officer asked Ben and Cameron Davis what they wanted, one of them said, I want a hot bath, the other one said, I want three sandwiches. (laughs) Those boys were lost. And because they were lost, people who care about people got busy trying to find them. They formed a search party. They went out looking. They gave up their own personal time. They sacrificed where they could go and find these little boys. They labored. Some of them probably prayed. Some probably asked God to help them find these two little boys. I'm sure that grandmother was praying for her little grandsons who she loved, who were very little and had no business uh, alone in the woods overnight by themselves. Compassion drove them to do something that they would not have organized to do except for compassion and love of people. The gospel to every home certainly requires a conviction and it certainly requires that we work together in cooperation but we won't lift a finger to help anybody else get saved without compassion, without love for people and love for fellow men. Even for people that we disagree with theologically, ideologically, politically. Even for people who are living lifestyles that you might find reprehensible and that you would just see as upside down and disgusting. As the song has been sung, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. Lost people need the Lord. And for us to get the gospel to every home, it requires compassion. Compassion because people are lost. Verse 16 says, whoever does not believe will be condemned. That doesn't mean they don't believe in God. Lots of folks will go to hell believing in God. It doesn't, believe that it doesn't mean they don't believe there was a man named Jesus who even went to a cross 2,000 years ago. And even that he rose again, you can believe that and still go to hell. The belief the Bible talks about is a saving faith. It's a faith that turns from sin and trust in Christ. It's a faith that admits honestly and openly, I've gone the wrong way. I've lived my life in rebellion against God. I've tried to be my own master and my own Lord, and yet God's the master and God's the Lord. And the kind of faith that saves is a faith that acknowledges we've sinned, God loves us, Christ was punished for our sin on the cross, and I need to trust in him and turn to him and be saved. The Bible says that's the faith that saves a man or a woman or a boy or a girl. It requires compassion because people are are lost. People can be saved. They can be delivered. In fact, all over the world today, people will be saved. Probably hundreds of thousands of people in some corner of earth will hear the gospel today and will repent and believe. Right here in Kentucky, there's no doubt in my mind, folks will be saved today. Right here, Possibly right here in this building. Someone will hear, maybe even online, someone will hear the gospel today. And hearing the gospel, they'll come under conviction of personal sin, that their sin separates them from God, and they will... Cry out to Christ to save them and believe on Jesus, the Savior, that he is the Savior, that he would save them as well. People are lost and people can be saved and Jesus, our Lord, has compassion for people. In fact, the Bible says that when he saw them, he saw them as they were, disquieted and dispirited like sheep having no shepherd. And if if nothing else describes our world today, it looks like we are a, a world of people who have no shepherd and Christ is the shepherd. People can be saved. How do you start? How do you start? It starts like this. About two years ago, I was preaching over in Monticello to a gathering that involved some preachers and and some others as well, and we finished the, 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 the preaching time, and one of the men in the group, a man named Tommy Floyd, uh, wanted me to go out and meet someone who lived in the community outside of Monticello, and so we got in his truck, and we drove off to a, a little mobile home community, kind of a trailer park area just outside of Monticello, and and uh, one of the homes we got out and went into, and when we went in, I was greeted by a big man, big uh, white hair, white beard. and looked kind of rough around the edges a little bit. I noticed on his coffee table he had two or three Bibles laid out. And I said, you've been reading your Bible? And he said, oh, yeah, I read it every day. And he started talking about his, his walk with the Lord. And, and his name was Jody. And I uh, come to find out, Jody and I had uh, at least one thing in common. I had grown up near Kentucky State Penitentiary in Eddyville. And Jody had spent time in Kentucky State Penitentiary in Edible. And uh, Jody had gotten hooked on amphetamines while he was in Vietnam and he got out of the army and he started driving a truck and he kept using speed to stay awake for long trips. And, and then he started selling the drugs and, and uh, to support his own habit as well as make some money on the side. And, and Jody got arrested, went to trial, went to prison just as he should have for what he had done. After he got out of prison, some men in that community, they got a conviction and a burden about Jody. And they started praying for him and they started reaching out to him just like men will do. And Invited them to church. They may have tried to share the gospel the best way they knew how. It's, it doesn't take much. It just takes us being obedient to the Lord, and God can use any, anybody to share the gospel, anybody that's willing to. And Jody started going to church. One Sunday morning, Jody got saved and gave his life to Christ. The preacher said, well, Jody, you've been saved. You need to get baptized. Jody said, there's not a church in America I'd let baptize me the way I'm living. Jody was living with a girlfriend that was not his wife. And he was a brand-new Christian, but he knew that wasn't right. And he said to the preacher, he he said, let me get my marriage straight, and then we'll join his church and get baptized. Well, Jody's girlfriend got saved. They got married. And then his husband and wife, they got baptized as followers of Jesus, and they joined that church. How'd that happen? It happened when a group of men got concerned about one man, and they started working to reach out to him. And because they got a conviction, and because they worked together, and because they loved him enough and had compassion for them, Jody's now part of the family of God. When I went to visit Jody, brand-new Christian, he's trying to figure out how he could share the gospel with his neighbors that live there in the trailer park around him. I gave him some little gospel booklets, some uh, like a steps to peace. That's a McDonald's gift card, but some steps to peace with God. I gave him some of these, and uh, you thought I gave him a $100 bill. He was going to walk up and down the street where he lived and share the gospel with the people in his community. Jody said this. He said, I got another trial coming up. He said, I might go back to prison, but he said, it doesn't matter if I do. If I go back to prison, I'm going back as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Man, that's something. That's what happens when the people of God work together and try and share the gospel with those who are far from, from the Lord. So I'm going to ask you this question, and I'll begin to close. Would you decide today, those of you who are saved, I don't know who's saved and who's not, I saw a bunch of folks raise their hand, but those of you who are saved, would you decide today that you would join Jesus Christ in his mission to take the gospel to every person, whole gospel, whole world, whole creation, that you'll say, Lord, I don't know how many days I have left, but however much time I have left, I want to be used by you to help some lost soul be saved for eternity by Jesus. would you make that decision this morning It's very possible there's some here in this service or even some joining online who this message really isn't for you you say it's all well and good you doing a fine job delivering it but you're not even a Christian yet yourself you've not yet trusted in Christ as your Savior and Lord well I want to say something to you the first thing I want to say is God made you in his image God loves you God has a plan for your life and God is your judge that's all true isn't it church our sin is more than just bad things that we do our sin is actually rebellion against god our sin is a rebellious spirit that says i'm going to do about what i want to do and i'm going to do it with who i want to do it when i want to do it and where i want to do it nobody's going to tell me any different well that rebellion works its way out in all kinds of manifestations in human human living jesus died for rebels just like us He died to save us from our sin, not just our sins, but the sin that's in us, that inward dwelling of of a sin nature. Jesus died to save us and deliver us from sin. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. He was buried, rose again the third day, and then Jesus gives this message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. Repent says an honest admission that I am a rebel against God and his creation. To repent says, I'm willing to turn to God and humble myself and submit to him. To believe the gospel says, I put all my faith, all my trust in Jesus, the risen Savior. And when you repent and believe, the Bible says, life begins right there at that moment. That's a good news, isn't it, church? And that's the news that we're called to share. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy and all your kindness. Thank you for your gathering this morning of these people and gatherings literally all over the world. Father, we pray that all over the world folks would be saved today, that many would pass over from death to life, from darkness to light, and would be born again into your family, and very possibly someone right here in this service or following us online this morning might come under conviction and repent and believe. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to sing in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise from God to people. Any person who will turn from their sin, trust in Christ, which includes submitting to Jesus, believing in him, trusting in him, will be saved. If that describes you this morning, would you just call on Jesus right where you are, at home or in this building this morning? Would you just call on him by faith, call his name? There are no magic words that save us. It's a matter of repenting and believing. But maybe you would just pray like this and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm ready to turn to you from my sin and trust in you. Jesus, thank you for taking my place on the cross, for being buried and rose again. Thank you right now for saving me. It's in your name that I pray. Father God, thank you again for this service. Please help us now as we prepare for the invitation time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to have an invitation this morning. And we're going to sing a song and in the invitation the David's going to lead us in this song. And I want to ask you to do something during this song. I want you to do it not because I'm asking, but I want you to do it because you believe God is leading right now. In